the big paradigm shift that I had was that I realized that everything worthwhile in life lives on the other side of fear. And I had always kind of known that, but one day it really became crystal clear to me that the hack in life is to do two things. Number one, figure out what scares you. And then number two is just to do it. You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, I'm Andrew Apanov. You're listening to a new edition of the Music Growth Talks podcast. If you've been with me for some time, you know that we feature lots of industry professionals and music startups on this show, but uh, that at the same time I love showcasing musicians who have something cool to share. Uh, we had Beef Naked as an example in the previous episodes, and today I am talking to one of the most positive and inspiring people I've met in the past several years. His name is Steve Welty. He's a singer and writer based out of San Diego. We at the Data Music Agency have been working with Steve since earlier this year, for full disclosure, so I may clearly be biased about anything I say about him, but he is incredibly talented. Just listen to his uh, music to see for yourself. I'm linking to his website and Spotify profile in the show notes, which you can find at datatmusic.com. Uh, and uh, Steve really has a lot of deep, actionable advice to share on success, songwriting, getting stuff done, team building, and a lot more. You will learn it all right now. Just listen on and enjoy my conversation with Steve Welty. Steve, welcome to Music Growth Talks. I'm thrilled and honored to have you on my podcast. Hey, I'm excited, Andrew. You recently started this really cool series a video blog where you document your life essentially and i already knew that you've been handling a lot of different projects but just getting a glimpse into how exactly you handle your business projects and your family life you spend a lot of time with your son and you do manage to dedicate a lot of time for songwriting and, and working on new music there is a number of questions related to that that I want to ask you, but first of all, the priorities, what, how, how you manage that and, and, and uh, what exactly you are focusing on the most these days. Yeah, so I read a book a while back called Essentialism that helped me really get clear on what is essential in my life because the world is becoming more and more distracted and distracting. And so we almost need to create a defense, defensive distraction system like to repel um, things. I think lots of people fail because they get caught in the trivial many versus the vital few. And so taking some time, what I did is took some time periodically to get very clear on what's essential in my life. And to me, number one is like growing spiritually, meditating, you know, being connected, to spirit is important to me, to his family and my son and my wife and, you know, always putting them first. And then three is like being creative and creativity. And if you have maybe more than five or six or seven essential things, then things, it starts to water down the process. <laughs> so first I would say is getting clear on what is essential and then what, 
what does your schedule currently look like? Like how many non-essential things are you currently doing? And then seeing how many of those you can delete so that you can spend as much time doing the things that light you up and the things that you're uniquely great at and the things that bring the most value to yourself and others. So that's kind of how I approach it. So do, do you have any examples of the things that you let go during that process? By, by the way, I love Essentialism. Great book. Uh, I will link to it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So like I was on a, a board, uh, like a nonprofit board that I really enjoyed, you know, helping with, but it just wasn't um, something essential. There was a lot of things I was doing in my my day job. Like, you know, a lot of us musicians obviously have day jobs or, or things we do on the side if we're not a full-time musician. And I had to look at what was I doing and if those things I was doing were, was there someone else that could do it for cheaper than, than I am currently doing it? And so we talked a little bit about delegation before, Andrew, and uh, it's a big, scary word and it's a slow, gradual process. Everyone thinks that they can do things the best. And so it's hard to let go of really key, important things. But I learned over time that not only should you give away things that you don't like to do, but that's just the first place to start. So, I went on this journey where I gave away everything that I'm in comp. First off, I made a log of everything I did every day for like a week. Just write it down, answered right. emails, answered, did this, returned phone calls. And then I made a list and I said, okay, what am I incompetent at? Like, what do I actually have no business doing? For me, it's scheduling. Like, I couldn't find the information for this call, Andrew, because I'm just like, I'm scatterbrained. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm really bad at scheduling myself. And then what am I competent at? you know, maybe doing accounting. I, I can I can do it, but I'm not, you know, great. And then identifying what am I excellent at, but maybe I don't have necessarily passion for it. Like in my business in real estate and property management, I was good at sales, like, but uh, I didn't really have a passion for sales. And then when you give away all those things, what you're left with is things that you're uniquely great at. And these are things that you could do all day long. You give you have endless energy for, I call it the fascinating and motivating category. And so this is where, this is also called like a genius zone. I've heard it called that because when you're in this zone, this is where you can actually serve people with the highest value because you have passion and your energy comes through what you do and you never get bored and you never have to work a day in your life because you're only doing things that you're uniquely great at and you have passion for. So that's kind of the tactical approach I took. And it's a gradual process. Like I said, when I first started, I think I was 5% of my time was unique in my unique ability, which I call it. And now it's more like 90% of my time is in unique ability. Yeah, that's that took a couple years. Yeah, I was about to ask how, how, how much time it took. But I don't think you really want to make changes that big, like overnight, it's it's not going to happen. The habits won't stick. And it's it may just mess up your life quite a bit if you try to to do two radical changes. And that's the good thing that you can start with small changes. And what you mentioned, identifying the things that you uh, that take up a lot of your time that you don't enjoy doing necessarily, for example. There is a notion from what I've, I've noticed talking to lots of musicians that you can... Well, there, there is a few related to, uh, to having to do something else besides the music if you are not a full-time musician. If you're a full-time musician, you have to hustle with uh, a ton of random music-related geeks oftentimes. So it's also kind of... The, the, the line is, is, is blurred oftentimes. That 
you will have time just at some point of of your life in the future once you have enough wealth once you have enough time once you have enough whatever but oftentimes the the time never really comes because you always have to hustle if you're a full-time musician if you're a part-time musician so it's really about making that the decision to give a proper priority to the process of songwriting to the business aspect of it, I know that you chose to delegate as much as possible of that, but for some musicians, they uh, do enjoy handling, I don't know, music licensing or whatnot. So I, anyway, I, ju- I just, um, I guess it was quite important for you to, and you had to make some sacrifices to not just be more with your family, but to write more. Yeah, and I love songwriting. If I love the million dollar question or the hundred million dollar question. So if you had a hundred million dollars deposited into your bank account today, what would you do moving forward? And so my answer would be, I would, you know, get a bunch of songwriters together. We'd go to the studio and we would just be writing all the, every day basically, and just recording music all the time, et cetera. And so that's a good indication, at least for me on where I want to be spending my time. So the songwriting aspect, I'm just a bit, one of the things I, I gained over a, <laughs> over time getting older and wiser is just when I first started in music, I thought my raw talent would carry me and I wouldn't have to put in the work to really practice or really write all the time. And later in life, I've realized that's not true. <laughs> and so if I want to be a great songwriter and I want to write great songs, I have to do what great songwriters do. And that's right every day and you know all the as much as you can and so i try to delegate because that goal is so important to me i have to delegate other stuff because i have a kid i have a wife i have a job and so i try to keep it loose and not keep it too regimented like oh i have to do x amount of hours a day of songwriting but as long as i'm writing every day then i'm being successful and more importantly writing with other artists that's really where i get the most return on investment. You, you, you've been doing some cool collaborations. How's it been looking for you? I'm actually personally interested in, in, in that network of yours. Yeah, I'm trying to expand the network because there is a caveat. It's when you're writing with the right people. We've all been to writing sessions where there just wasn't a, a good energy between maybe the two people. And um, so you got to find the right people. But it's interesting. I've uh, I've taken the sales kind of a sales approach to finding songwriters. Rita on my team actually we scour the internet for local musicians and we reach out to them proactively and, and say, "Hey, we want to write. Uh, we're interested in writing with you. Here's kind of some of my music. Here's what I'm looking to do." And um, and yeah, and it's it's a little difficult. You know, not everyone wants to write for one reason or another. Maybe they don't feel. Maybe they're shy. Maybe they think they're too good. Who knows? Maybe they're too busy. I know traditionally a lot of times musicians have a good intentions, but they they lack self-discipline. So they lack the follow through to actually, you know, keep the appointment even after the appointment's set. <laughs> so it's almost like going through right now, we've, we're, we're trying to go through maybe 50 different songwriters to try to find maybe five that I can meet with on a regular basis. And I have probably two right now that every time I get with them, something great comes from it. And you do learn something new from that collaboration process, I, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to, you know, the songs that come out of it, we will record them and, and we'll put them out. But it's crazy that the energy, when the energy is right with, with certain people, 
everything accelerates. You know, I normally do things on my own and, you know, playing on my own and whatnot. But when I get in the room with the right people, I've just noticed that everything is more fun. It happens faster. Like there's a reason why country singers, you know, in Nashville and everyone, there's always like three, four, five songwriters. If you look at the Grammys, there's always like seven, eight, nine, ten people on stage for each song. So I would challenge people that are trying to figure it out all themselves to to get out there more and be writing with other people because I think there's a, a reason why most successful people are doing that. Yeah, yeah. So something I hear quite a lot is like I'm based in a really small town and I don't have any producers if it's you know someone on electronic music or songwriters other you know musicians to jam with uh, and sometimes it's the case oftentimes it's not exactly and it's just the 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 lack of communication and networking skills which all artists really need to develop themselves and i encourage you to use internet in these cases and there is a number of tools you can use to to work on projects online but uh yeah like meeting someone in person and being in the same room a great encouragement i think to anyone listening to us one more question about creativity i was curious about something we just talked about another guest on the show the 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 episode isn't out yet uh, she's a big uh, like pop punk artist from the 2000s and she had this save rage for the stage phrase and there is a lot of artists who who get inspiration for their songs from uh from conflict from the deep issues they've been going through and from from pain and at the same time there is a number of great songwriters who create arts and music with, from the positive energy if it makes sense at all has how do you approach that because i don't think that you really are focused on negative anything really these days but maybe it was different some time ago you know there's different approaches <laughs> what, what comes to mind initially is back in the 60s and the 70s especially a lot of the writing was drug fueled so there's there's that approach but that leads to destroying your life and your health. So that's usually not a good option. <laughs> the second option is when you're sad and depressed. I think that can be some of the most effective songwriting. But who wants to proactively go into that state? So I think, uh, you know, when I've looked back on some things in my life that happened that got me really down, that was always one bright side I was always aware of, well, at least I'm going to have some good songs that come from this. So that's a, always a wellspring because I think it just unlocks, you know, the heart and 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 uh, lets the emotion come through what you're trying to say. And and there's no new feelings. Everything in the planet, all the there's no new fears or no new, you know, everyone's had the same journey or uh, different people have had the same journey or, or experience. So there's always someone that can connect with that. So I think that's a great way. I was always a little worried that if there if life's too good, it's hard to write songs. I went through that <laughs> a little bit. Where I was like, man, I just, I'm not writing anything good. I'm just uh, like, I'm feeling too good. <laughs> like there's nothing. <laughs> and so that could be a problem. But then I just kind of started writing more about what comes to me naturally, which is positivity, enthusiasm, presence, you know, connecting with other people. And I think like the, the book, The War of Art says it great where creativity basically comes from doing it every day. It's like, I always get creative at 9 a.m. every day because that's when I write, you know, that's or something like I'm butchering the quote, but 
But um, the I think the real win is in doing the work. So writing every day, an hour, hour and a half, whatever it is, a couple hours, and whether something great came out of it is is irrelevant. The fact that you check the box and you you spent time in a creative space and uh, tried to bring new ideas to the forefront, that's where the win happens. But I just think it's whatever lights you up. Like what lights me up is is optimism and 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 fun. And yeah, I write some ballad stuff and I write some you know sadder stuff, but. I'm trying to write a banger. I like to write up upbeat stuff. <laughs> Although my last two releases, Andrew, have been kind of like slower, right? But but uh, <laughs> normally I like to write upbeat stuff. I'm looking forward to the new new stuff of yours. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. No, that's great. Uh, that's a great advice. And um, I mean the uh, and, and I like that what you mentioned earlier that you don't necessarily stick to uh, a, a super rigid plan of like how how much you need to write every day. It's just the fact of you doing it every day and committing to writing at least something. Do you have any like minimum still though? Like uh, write like just, you know, one line, one song or anything like that? I try to do at least an hour a day. So that's kind of my bellwether. And then I look back like every Monday, I look back the previous week and I color code the songwriting time to on my calendar. So then I, I want to see if I'm being true to myself, if like the ideal I have of who I am as a writer is actually true. And so if a week goes by and I look back and I don't see very much blue, mm-hmm. I don't beat myself up about it. I just say, okay, let's correct it this week. I learned a great thing from someone once who said, don't stack your losses. Meaning if you commit to an hour every day and then you get sick and then you don't say, okay, well, today I got to do eight hours because I didn't do just start over. Like, Don't stack your losses. It's too heavy of a load to carry. Just start over from where you are and recommit to to doing that hour every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one as well. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Fairly inspiring as well here. I'd like to get back to the kind of business side of things or or management, if you will, as well. And uh, you you mentioned a bit about how you build uh, a team around you and how you delegate. And it's something that uh, lots of musicians are, well, confused by and they don't know how to approach that. Uh, sometimes it's the financial aspect of things, but uh, it's it's very possible for anyone to even build a team just with the existing network and get some friends on board who want to maybe who who want to to become managers in the future music managers or who just want experience or who sincerely want to help you so i think there are ways to do that but then another issue that that i personally have witnessed among artists i worked with not yourself definitely is that uh the they just don't know how exactly to communicate what needs to be done. They think that they are the ones, the only ones who know how to do it. And they may not be realizing that it takes a bit of initial time investment to prepare the systems, instructions, workflows, explain how to how to do it. And oftentimes you just find people who know it better than you. You don't need to be a pro at the topic, of course. Do you have any advice to a complete newbie? who may be in music and who is new to building a team around their music project. Yeah, totally. So there's a concept I learned a couple years back that really changed my life. And it says, it's a concept called who, not how. So the way 
people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and really super mega successful, let's say financially successful people, because success has a lot of different parameters, is they surround themselves with the right who's. And they don't get bogged down in the how. They're visionary. So they say, okay, this is where we're going. And this is what we want to do. And I'm going to find the who's that are going to figure out how to get there. So that way, I'm not bogged down in figuring out how. And I can be on to the next idea after I put those people in place. So my journey as far as uh, songwriting and music has gone is I've tried the, you know, reading all the books and hacking it myself. And, and it's just, there's not enough time in the day. Even if you have the greatest music, it's like, it's so hard to get to where most musicians want to go doing it themselves. So they need to build some sort of team. So what I initially did was I put an ad out just for like a intern, minimum wage, entry level person who could shoot some fit photos, some video, help me with some editing stuff, help me with some outreach stuff. But they didn't really know anything about the music business. And um, that was a great place to start. But like, if you have some finances to invest in surrounding yourself with a team, then I think going with somebody who who can figure out the how so you don't have to train them. So there's one approach where you hire someone and then you tell them everything to do, right? But then there's another approach with like Andrew, for instance, where Andrew already knows what to do when we work together. So he's my who in the music space. You're, you're my who. <laughs> and so, but, but to speak to the people that don't have any money, I've done things like shared ownership of songs. It's really funny. Like I think people don't want to give away percentages of their music or whatever. But when I didn't have any money, I just told to the producers, I said, we'll split everything 50-50, you know? So that was a a good way to get that for a low cost. Fiverr is great. There's very lots of low cost, you know, providers out there to do things. But um, it's really what you hate to do. There's people that love to do it. And so it's just figuring out, and it's also seems so it can seem so monumental of a task and overwhelming, but I like to just look at it as like 1% better every day. I get 1% better every day. So what's this little piece of something I do that I can give away to somebody else? And there's lots of creative ways to how to finance that. I think the big thing comes down to your expenses and making sure expenses are minimal. minimal. And that's regardless of if you're a songwriter or anybody, I think that's how that's how people build wealth is they keep their expenses in checks. You can always spend more money if you make more money, right? Yeah. But yeah, those are those are some ideas that have worked for me in the past. Yeah, I'm I'm honored to be a who, by the way. So it's it's <laughs> thanks, thanks 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 for the kind of words. And yeah, I, it it does make sense. And uh, yeah, I I like that you mentioned a couple of very specific tips here, like offering a share, offer zone, or finding people on affordable uh, freelance websites and what what we also see is that some uh, musicians uh, i've been consulting for example they've been going to fiverr to find people to create music videos for them and some of the creators uh, like the music so much that they kept working and delivering uh, for affordable fees uh, outside the platform and so on and, and and it's also the the kind of the benefit of this platform oftentimes if you find someone uh, doing something just in music, uh, they're most probably passionate about music. This is the world of music. Like, this is what I like. And at least in the indie space, it may be a bit different in the big corporate world of major labels. But 
uh, generally speaking, when you find someone working in music, they are really into it themselves. So yeah, I'm, and I enjoy working with you so much because I also keep learning something new from you in terms of this kind of mindset as well. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about because it's like I see what you are good at, what your strengths are, and uh, I see what other artists uh, struggle with quite a bit. You've covered some of these topics already, but one other thing that you do really well is showing yourself on social media and, and, and sharing uh, your ideas, uh, transmitting this, this energy, you do it really well through video and, and expressing it in a concise way. I wouldn't be able to express my thoughts within a one minute or 30 second video. You can hear just how, uh, how long-winded I am with uh, <laughs> formulating my questions on the podcast sometimes. It, I'm not always like that. I just didn't have enough coffee right now. But um, uh, but you do it really well, and the video blog is a good example, but uh, it's time-consuming, it's one thing, and another is that many musicians just are not comfortable being on camera. And while I think that it comes easier to you than to some, some other people, I also think it can be learned just as anything else. Do you have any advice? And maybe it's not that easy for you as well, especially documenting all your life daily, something that you've been doing in the past few weeks. Yeah. Well, if you're trying to be an artist, I think it's very important that, I mean, you're basically an entertainer and you probably need to get comfortable being on camera and sharing ideas. If you're just a songwriter, maybe less important, or if you're a producer or other things, you know, I think you can get away with it. But most artists, I think, are need to be comfortable on stage, comfortable disseminating information. And uh, no, initially, it, it came a little bit more difficult for me. But the big paradigm shift that I had was that I realized that everything worthwhile in life lives on the other side of fear. And I had already, always kind of known that. But one day it really became crystal clear to me that the hack in life is to do two things. Number one, figure out what scares you. And then number two is just to do it. Now, I would throw in there, if your heart tells you to do it, I wouldn't go swimming with sharks or necessarily or something. But it's like, it's a two-step process. Does this scare me? And does my heart tell me to do it? So like disseminating stuff on video, on social media, it can be scary. It can be like, oh, what are people going to think? And all this stuff. Maybe I, I've gotten you know a little bit more experience, so I care less what people think a little less. <laughs> but uh, but it's just the act of of doing it and realizing that the reason that it's hard is because bearing yourself and being authentic and being real in front of people and risking the slings and arrows back is uh, is scary. But if you really want to take it to the next level, you have to do those things because most of the people aren't going to do those things. Yeah. So I try to figure out what are people, what is most people doing? And I try to do the opposite. So most people like aren't comfortable with that. So I'm going to be comfortable with it. And I'm just going to have to put in the reps. Yeah. 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 That's great. One I, I had recently on one of the podcasts, I think that the second or if not the most, uh, the scariest thing for most people today is, is not even the fear of death, but uh, the fear of uh, public speaking according to one uh, survey completed in, in the United States. So people are really afraid of uh, speaking and in front of people. And I, I don't think it's uh, 
it really like a hundred percent comes naturally to anyone. It's it, the confidence comes with just you doing it again and again, and it doesn't matter if you're an introvert, extrovert, the kind of like uh, you, the kind of background you've got. So just showing up and doing it is really important. And this is something that you've been uh, proving. The funny thing is too is that there's so much stuff on social media these days that nobody cares. Like nobody cares about your video that sucks. Like you know, if if it sucks, it's like they see it. Even if you look, even if I do a video or something, I'm like, oh, that. What was I thinking? That that didn't come across right. It gets like five likes or something. Nobody's like holding a resentment against me or thinks I suck or like maybe they unfollowed me. Who cares? It's like you know. There's so much content out there that it's really presumptuous to think people actually are taking a deep look at your content. It's like, I think Gary Vee says something about when, once you start screaming, that's when people first start hearing you. So once you start putting out content every day, multiple times a day for months, then people start paying attention a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, that's very much correct. And uh, that's an advantage of uh, being at the early stages of a career, for example. You can be doing it for many, many years, but if you don't have much of a presence online, it gives you such a leverage, actually, if you treat it like that, because you can experiment and you can put out a lot of different kind of stuff. You can do new series and new kinds of uh, images and photos and, and videos and live streams and then see what sticks, what performs and no one will remember about uh, the content you put up that didn't do too well. Uh, the artists with massive audiences don't have such a privilege. They have to be a bit more conscious about what they publish online. And uh, like, it's really, it's, it's bad in many ways, but uh, it's it, like, and sometimes, you know, artists still don't care, but they have to be because they have such an influence on people. So just one word published on Twitter without much thinking can really hurt a bunch of people and so on. So it's it really gets interesting. But when you can afford to experiment and to learn to become confident, it's really great, actually. But it doesn't mean that we're not working hard on getting you those numbers and subscribers and fans, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, if you want to double your rate of success, you double your rate of failure. So the way I look at things is like, it's a win-win. Either I did it and it worked or I didn't and I failed and it also worked because you got to stack up a lot of failures before you get successful. So that just comes down to loving the journey, loving the process. And when, you know, can win either way, then you're unstoppable. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So much inspiration coming from you. I really, I, I really like the the vibe overall i guess we'll leave our listeners with uh, with some links in the show notes once again to find more about you and to i just i mean it's 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 very important that everyone who listens to us goes and uh, just checks out some of your stuff especially when you just well the music clearly but then when you just talk on camera and how you present yourself uh, everyone who've seen your stuff, who I've communicated with personally, have been really impressed with just the level of confidence. And yeah, it's just, it's contagious. So um, I think it's really something that artists can learn from. And Thank yeah, you. so check out the music as well, because it's great. So if you have any kind of additional advice on anything we haven't covered on this conversation, please feel free to share with us. 
there is there is a lot of different topics you've been covering in your podcast and just with the amount of books you've been reading and so on but if just something that comes to mind that's been very recent maybe that you know a, a thought that you've been you know yeah. working on in the, during the weekend so yeah so what's really interesting to me right now is that most people play in the arena of how can i get what i'm looking to get how can i try to get something for myself how can i you know get this so i can get this and have this money etc and yeah you do have to look out for basic needs and 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 monetary goals and and goals are great but there's a whole another arena of people that i've been exposed to that actually focus on how can i serve people and add value and expect nothing in return gary v is one great example But if you can put yourself in that position with what you have to do for the day, so like then let's say maybe the Instagram video you're going to do is less about you looking cool and more about how can I help somebody today? How can I make somebody feel better? How can I share a relatable story that resonates with people from my own life like that can help people? So I'm just really really interested in that because I think very few people play in that because it's hard. It's easy to say that, but it's really hard to live that way. So I keep a post-it note on my computer that says, how can I really serve people and add value and expect nothing in return? And so if you take that approach with building the team and actually like most people can't build teams because they're, they're bad leaders. They're bad self-leaders of themselves. And yeah. so with my team, I want like I want to know how to make Andrew as successful as possible. Like that's my goal with our relationship, Andrew, is hopefully add some value on the podcast. Like, you know, tell people about your services, which are amazing. And, you know, I'm just so thankful that we're working together. And then anyone on my team, like I figure out what what do you want to become? What are you trying to do in life? Helping them become what they're trying to become. That would be my parting message is that we're in the connection economy and that, you know, Finding different ways to connect with people creatively is what's firing me up and what is super exciting. Um, there's so many fun ways to do it on Spotify, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, all these avenues. And I would encourage people to check out Lit Up Life, my vlog on YouTube, because this is my what my coach Jason calls my leveraged point of intimacy. <laughs> this is where I feel like I can deliver the most value to people and build relationships with people because it's based and anyone can listening can do it. It's basically taking a camera, documenting your day, helping people like learn things the way you, as you're learning them and just being real and don't like sit down and think, okay, how can I be real? Because then you've already blown the assignment. Just be yourself, record it. And uh, I think when people see someone going out on a limb and recording the good and the bad and the ugly and putting themselves out there, it inspires people to do the same. So you're making a bigger difference than you realize because courage is infectious. When you're courageous, you allow other people, you give other people permission to be courageous and it's an amazing gift to give. Beautiful. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, once again, linking to everything in the show notes and I truly deeply appreciate all the cool insights you've shared with us today. Awesome. I'm so glad to be here, Andrew. You're the best. I appreciate you and your team. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. All right, brother. Thank you all for staying with us and uh, do go check out Steve's uh, profiles on uh, on Instagram. He's uh, lit up life. 
uh, playlist on the YouTube channel. I'm linking to everything in the show notes. As a reminder, datamusic.com. Just look up uh, this episode, number 138, 138 with Steve Welty. And uh, if you are new to the podcast, please consider subscribing to it at um, musicgrowthtalks.com. You'll find uh, the links there, or if you're, you know, listening to it in your preferred um, podcasting app, um, please be sure to subscribe and uh, consider leaving a review if you are on um, Apple Podcasts in particular. It really helps uh, this show being discovered by more musicians and music industry professionals, so I really appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, if you have any feedback about these very episodes, uh, please leave them not just now uh, profiles, but on Steve's. So go to uh, Steve World Music uh, on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and drop a comment with your thoughts or questions right there. Thank you once again, and till the next episode of Music Growth Talks. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.